Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Post in Black. My name is David Hunter Jr., and I am excited to have you with us on Post in Black as we celebrate Black excellence behind the lens. Today's episode is a very special episode as we are very happy to welcome none other than Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson is the SVP, the Senior Vice President of Engagement and Sound at Trailblazer Studios in North Carolina. He has grown Trailblazer Sound from a local shop to industry player, and he strives to position Trailblazer Studios and North Carolina as a major production hub for content creators all across the world. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Man, you're on today. I'm going to have to step up my game. Oh, no, no. Professional host. we're, we are very happy to have you. We, we're trying to make it professional because we're, we're talking to somebody who's uh, pretty much uh, doing a lot of good things in the industry. But before we tap into that, we always like to do an icebreaker. So we're going to have an icebreaker. For those of you listening, you'll hear it. For those of you who are watching, you'll see it. Have you ever won a contest? Don't, it could be any type of contest, eating contest, sports, anything. I have to say no, nothing, really? uh, not not very much a winner in, in those categories. Oh, I've, I've entered a ton of them, but uh, yeah, no. You know what? I'm, I'm going to say you probably have done this, though. Have you ever tried to, you know, beat yourself uh, to the microwave and stop it before the beeps? Have you ever oh, yeah. done something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I did it this morning. I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> With 15 seconds left. Came yeah. upstairs to to turn something on on my computer and got downstairs with a second left. So you, you know, I ran track you? back in the day. So okay, uh, you know, always trying to trying to perfect my times. Yes, sir. I yes, still sir. got it. Yeah, you still got. Now you ran track. I ran track. We're going to get into posting black, but you ran oh, track. Okay. You look like a four a two hundred or four hundred meter guy. Now I know you a real track runner because that's exactly what I ran. <laughs> I can see you now. I can see you yes, now. Sir. What was your race? Yeah, so it was the four hundred meters for about a year. Oh. And then uh, that would have been seventh grade. Yeah. And every year, man, folks started getting faster and faster. So I had to <laughs> add another uh, lap. Uh, so I, I started doing the 800. And okay. uh, that was my jam. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, most of the folks got, got tired about uh, one and a half ways uh, around the track. So I was able to do pretty good with that one. Yes, and, um, you know, enjoy training for that and doing more distance running. And, you know, that actually became a really meditative uh, situation. And really, I wouldn't say saved my life, but it filled yeah. some gaps, um, you know, during my teenage years. So I, I look back on that pretty fondly. That's that's powerful. That's powerful. No, I remember running 800 a couple of times just to get my wind up. And I, I have nothing but credit because one lap was my limit. Yeah, <laughs> it was my limit. But but you talk about being, you know, have that distance, uh, you know, a little bit more distance to to help you out to be better. And that's a good segue kind of into what we're talking about with post-production and working in entertainment, because this is a marathon. This is a long sprint. And Absolutely. so uh, we're, we're going to start kind of at the beginning. You know, you tell the people a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from and how you even got started in post-production. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So uh, technically was born in California in San Bernardino, okay. uh, but uh, my parents got divorced and uh, my mom and I moved to Winston-Salem, North Carolina uh, when I was a year old and have been in North Carolina ever since. Wow. Um, so that's where I'm from. And how I got my start, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be, uh, you know, be talking with you today because uh, over the last few days I've been reflecting, just kind of preparing for this. Mm -hmm. And it's caused me to think about some things and really appreciate some things that um, I guess I had taken for granted more so recently. 
Um, but you ask, you know, uh, you know, how I got started. Mm-hmm. And I would say, uh, ultimately, I've been preparing for this my whole life without really knowing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would give 99.9% of that credit to my mother, who um, raised me, you know, again, as a, as a single mother, uh, you know, divorced. Uh, she was a nurse. She worked third shift. And uh, she put so much uh, effort into just making sure I had what I needed. And she raised me on a, a philosophy from our faith community uh, that says, you know, regard man as a mind uh, rich in gems of inestimable value. So she saw in me uh, unlimited potential. And rather than try to make me one thing or another, she uh, tried to mine that gem out of me and see what it was. And uh, music is, is how I got my start. Um, I can remember being probably five or six years old that she bought me this little keyboard. And from that point, for the rest of my life, there's always been a keyboard, you know, nearby. And I would sit, you know, in front of the television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, they don't make these anymore, but it was a little uh, red keyboard with clear plastic uh, keys. Yeah. And you would slide in there um, a sheet that had color-coded notes so you could pick out a melody that way. Um, but what I would do is I'd take that sheet out and I'd be watching television and a commercial would come on or a theme song for a television show. And I would figure that out by ear. Um, and then over over the years, the keyboard got bigger and bigger. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, when I was, I guess I was... 16, mm-hmm. 16, she bought me my first synthesizer. I actually went to an Earth, Wind & Fire concert and was just mesmerized by, by the keyboard player. And, you know, kind of a light bulb went on there. And um, I wouldn't say that was the beginning of my music career, but that was mm-hmm. definitely uh, a next major chapter. Yeah, um, yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's powerful. First of all, I can only imagine what an Earth, Wind & Fire concert was. Um, and, and seeing that and hearing that. And then it's so, that's a special thing. You know, we've done these interviews a lot, but there's always something unique to the individual and, and hearing that and saying, Oh, I have this little, uh, this toy, but I'm going to take out what it's, you know, useful and I'm going to make my own and come up with that, having that ear, that ear to play. That's really special. Now you, you're around 16, you have the concert experience, you know, the pianos, keyboards get bigger. You knew right then that you were going to go to college to pursue music. Oh, no. And that's why I'm so thankful that this uh, podcast and show exists. I didn't know. To me, then, music meant being in a band um, and or being a music teacher. Uh, Those are the only options. And, you know, I was pretty close to home, you know, wanted to stick close to home. So I didn't see any of those as an option. And backing back to the six year old me. um, And I'm not sure why I did this. But again, it's one of those things that it you know, it's sort of innate. Um, I had a, and some of your younger viewers, listeners are going to need to pull up Google while we do this thing, because I'll be referring to some things that they're going to say, what? Um, Yeah. But uh, I had a little cassette recorder, uh, cassette tape recorder. And, you know, you put your cheap cassette in there and hit record and play. And for some reason I was uh, possessed to, I would watch like my favorite television shows and I would record the television show and then listen to it back. Uh, and back then, again, you young people, you had to wait for the show to come on. And the next episode came on next Sunday and you had to wait till next Sunday. You couldn't mm-hmm. Google, uh, you know, pull it up on YouTube or, you mm-hmm. know, replay it on Netflix. 
But all that week, I would listen to the show. And so all there was to do was to focus on the sound. I didn't know what sound design was or audio post. But, you know, at that young age, I was preparing myself to listen. Um, And then I also, it's not my title anymore, but uh, I'm very much a producer. You know, producer sums up kind of everything I do. Um, And uh, I remember at a young age, again, back to my mom, one of the first, you know, nine kitty music uh, albums I had, you know, she woke me up one morning on the way to, uh, I guess it would have been first grade. Uh, mm-hmm. she had bought me a Jackson five album and, uh, that blew my mind. Um, and so I grew up listening to Jackson five and then Michael decided to go solo at some point. Yeah. And I remember I uh, getting that album. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but anyway, Michael was singing backgrounds and harmonies and I was like, mom, how he's one guy, how's he doing that? So I was already picking up on, you know, recording tricks and that sort of thing and listening. And um, so, again, you never know. Um, and as you say, life's, uh, you know, a marathon. You don't know what you're preparing for along the way. But right. uh, so fast forward back to the time I'm 16, I get that synthesizer. Uh, I ended up, you know, one of my friends who I ran track with, I actually um, Jerry Oaks, uh, okay. bad brother, great <laughs> bass player. He yeah. uh, he came from a long line of Oaks, and his brothers were like the fastest runners in Winston Salem. Uh, so uh, I grew up trying to trying to keep up with them. Um, but he he also was a bass player, and uh, mm-hmm. we got to talking about music. He said, "Well, I'm in this band. Uh, why don't you come? You know, try out." And you know, I was the only 16 year old brother with a synthesizer, so yeah. uh, that wasn't much of an audition. I was able to yeah. kind of walk in and make that happen, but. Um, so, uh, you know, that involved playing in clubs and, and bars, places mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been as a 16, 17 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what that led me to, again, I saw that I always knew I was going to college. That was something yeah. I didn't know for what necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. But I knew playing in a band for the rest of my life wasn't going to be the the ticket. Uh, but what that band did do is uh, one summer we went into a recording studio to record a mm-hmm. demo. And that was another one of those moments where, you know, I was kind of behind the scenes and, you know, back then we're talking tape, you know, real, real tape and that sort of thing. But, you know, I was, again, mesmerized by the the recording process. And so that seed was planted. But I came here to Raleigh, North Carolina, to go to NC State University because Mm -hmm. what I had come up with, with a combination of a family friend who was a mentor and watching the Brady Bunch and the dad was an architect, I thought, okay, architecture's creative, it's safe, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came to School of Design here to study architecture and uh, got involved in that. Um, I remember missing a test, a, a, a test I was supposed to take, yeah. uh, an entrance exam, uh, because on the way to the exam, there was a band playing in the, in the Black Cultural Center. And I sort of wandered in there and about three hours later, um, you know, the test had passed. So I, you know, music was just always calling to me. Um, it was always there. Yeah. And it's what I did on the weekend. You know, some of my friends would go home for the weekend. I would walk and now I sound like an old man telling, you know, dad stories. I would yeah. literally mi- walk a mile and a half from campus because I didn't have a car to the mm-hmm. closest music store. And I'd spend a couple hours in there just playing with keyboards and talking to the owners and, uh, you know, learning about, um, you know, the newest technology. Uh, so that's what I, um, you know. The, 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 you, you're touching on so many points and and, and, that, and it's, it's great. I mean, even, even from the standpoint of recording, you know, the show and watching it during the week, 
you know, I, I can relate to that personally. I used to tape um, people don't know, but I, I came into the industry um, primarily in front of the camera. And so I came into it watching Comic View and I would videotape Comic View on Friday nights, you know, BET and would watch all the comedians. And that's how I started doing voiceovers. I would try to mimic my voice there like them and do these things. And it was just something that I would do. And it was natural to me. But like you said, you just had to wait until that time. But then, then you're talking about one thing uh, where you met somebody, the Oaks brother, the baddest bass player, your mom giving you the, 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 the records. And one thing that's touching on that for me is exposure. You were exposed to a lot of different avenues at an early age that kind of gave you that idea. And then you were able to see whether it was the musician, Michael Jackson, or the, the Jackson Five, or you know Earth, Wind and Fire, you were able to see people in those positions who were singing and doing that. But now you're going to work in that industry when you get to college, you know, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to visit and talk to people about these machines and, and, and uh, how they make the music. But is that really like what gave you to start to say, okay, I want to pursue this professionally? Not yet, David. Okay. So much there is rich. Yeah, like, no, no. I mean, in hindsight, absolutely. But, yeah. you know, freshman year had no idea. Um, I remember coming home, uh, I guess for Christmas break after my freshman year, and I just wasn't feeling it. Um, you know, I, I, I was good at my design work, my architecture, but it just wasn't, you know, what, what filled my heart and soul. And, you know, my mom again, and we had this conversation and I wasn't, I, man, I wasn't much of a talker, you know, about, you know, I was in my room with the door closed and, and the stereo going or out running. Those, that that's where I was spending most of my time. But I just remember having this conversation with my mom and she was like, look, um, you know, everyone's given these guy given talents. And if you are able to kind of dig deep and, and find those and figure out a way to, to, to make use of those, but also in a practical way and ultimately, ideally, in a way that serves more than yourself, that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, put something good back into the world. If you can figure out how to line all those things up, you'll be good. And I'm like, OK. And I came back and finished, you know, my freshman year of architecture um, and, uh, you know, started to I would think it was around my sophomore year. I was like, this isn't working. Um, yeah. This just isn't working. What else is there? And I remember I can tell you exactly where I was. There was a, a, a shelf of books. And again, now these days, this is something a student online can Google what yeah. are careers in music. But I knew music is what I was passionate about. Again, I only thought my options were being a music teacher or being in a band. That wasn't going to be an option. Um, let me think. Of, let me get this right. Was I married already at this point? I got married um, after my sophomore year. So it was somewhere around that time. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I knew at that point, well, uh, if I'm going to switch into a career, I've got to be able to, you know, uh, pay the rent and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. So I went to this shelf. I pulled out the M book for music and just started going through all the careers, music therapist, music engineer, you know, all these different things. But what really did it for me was uh, back up at the music store, a mile and a half back up the road. Well, I guess I'm married at that point, so we had a car. So I drove yeah. to the store. <laughs> drove but, uh, there's a magazine called Mix Magazine that I re read religiously to this day, mm. some 30 years later. And in the middle of that magazine, I want to say it was the September of 85 issue, 
perhaps somewhere, give or take a month. And there was an article in there about uh, music for commercials and folks that compose music for commercials. You know, that then you rewind the tape. You remember the little keyboard and me picking yeah, yeah, yeah. out. And it was like, I know how to do that. or I, I, But I just didn't know that that was a career. And um, so another light bulb went off. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a long story in there. Yeah, but no, the idea no. of composing music for commercials, it's like, that's something I can do for North Carolina. And yeah. um, that but, was how I got my start. You know, th- that that's incredible. And, I, and another word, you know, you, you're always you kind of giving me all these nuggets. And I think the word that I'm hearing is is intentional. You know, you getting married, even in a sophomore year at college for a lot of people, they're there to play around. And you're like, I'm here. I know what I'm about. I see what I want. I'm going for it. intentional married. OK, I know I'm married. I know there's responsibility that comes with that. Let me go look at this career. And and Maharsha Ali did an interview with um, John David Washington recently, and they were just talking about their films. It's called Actors on Actors, you know, variety mm-hmm. does it, does it. And he said there's a difference between being grateful and fulfilled. And so, you know, I mean, like he's grateful for some of the roles he was getting, but he was fulfilled. He was fulfilled by this one particular opportunity because he was enriched by the story. He felt even after he left, it was more than just a check. It was more than opportunity. He felt that he was a part of the story and he didn't have to do a backstory off camera. His backstory was on camera. And so I think you being fulfilled by the music shows the intentional um, purpose. You want to look through a book and look at all those. So, so you look, you look through the book. What jumps out at you? What say, what do you say? What does your finger stop when you say, "Oh, that's sure. where"? Well, again, uh, that just gave me the idea that okay, there are other careers in or around music, but yeah. it was the magazine article that did it. Yeah, um, it was like okay, let me figure out how to do that. And at that time, again, uh, back to some some contacts within my faith community, my in laws had just uh, helped. Um, some folks, they were living in Costa Rica at that time. Uh, they were from New Jersey, but had, had gone there to do some like mission work and um, mm-hmm. they were retired. And um, there was a, an a international music conference there. And uh, there's a gentleman um, who I consider a mentor. I've literally been in his presence twice in my life, okay. but he changed my life. And I've told him that uh, his mm-hmm. name's Jack Lenz. He's uh, from Canada. And uh, at the time, he was composing. He still to this day uh, does. But he was doing like music for Coke commercials. And he did music for, I think it was the 96 Olympics um, and, and that sort of thing. And so I remember calling him and just having him tell me about a day in his life and yeah. confirming that, yeah, this is something you can do. Um but I think also around that time, I was thinking I wanted to be a music producer. Okay. Um, and Quincy Jones was was my yeah. idol. I haven't met him yet. Uh, yeah. I better get to it, but uh, yeah. Yeah. it'll happen. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, again, growing up listening to all his music and appreciating, um, you know, everything he did, both musically, but all the other tasks involved in producing, getting the right people together, uh, getting the funding together, you know, or getting the right deal made, that sort of thing. So I really idolized him for that. And so I thought I was going to be that kind of producer. Um, So there was no recording school back then, really. So I stumbled around the campus. I was like, what kind of degree can I put together to teach me this? And it wasn't to be found. And again, I'm here in the what they call the research triangle of North Carolina. So we've got the University of North Carolina. We've got Duke University. We've got Shaw University, St. Augustine's, North Carolina Central. 
None of those programs had a recording program. So uh, luckily I found an ad in the paper for a recording class at a studio about a half half hour from here. So I signed up and, um, you know, that was my exposure to to recording technology. Um, that that's drive and that's drive and that's really want to you know what i mean that's that's something that's seeing that and saying okay i'm gonna find what it takes i'm not gonna let where i am because like you you touch on it too you you want to know you know you you were born in california and you grew up in north carolina but there wasn't that like oh i need to go back to california to do this or i need to go to new york you were like i can do this right here i'm going to do this right here and i'm going to find a way to do that and then we also talk about what what inspirations were there? Who inspired you? And even though you didn't meet Quincy Jones, him aspire, inspiring you from afar, and then that conversation with that gentleman um, from Canada, really, really kind of leading you to say, okay, I'm going to go into this. So so now you're working in the industry and you're making your way up. What is that like? And, and how has it changed from when you first started to where you are now? Because, you know, you don't become you know, senior vice president of, of your, of your profession, of your, of your standard without actually putting in the work and the time. Yeah. And I'll fast forward because we could, we could talk all day. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, in the, in those early days, after I finished that recording course, I'd, I'd done some, some work with artists and very long story short, decided, you know what, I, I'm not going to do that uh, yeah. because, um, you know, the, the pay was not consistent mm-hmm. at this point. Now I have a one, you know, a kid, our first kid. Yeah. Uh, so I've got to really now I got to pay for the house, the lights and diapers. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I quickly uh, pivoted back to the, the idea of doing music for commercials. Mm-hmm. And uh, around here, there are a lot of corporate uh, world headquarters. And at the time, all of them had video production units uh, in-house. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up doing music and ultimately sound and mixing for, for a lot of those projects. Wow. And so I did that for, for 17 years. Um, and that helped me perfect, uh, you know, my ability. I, you know, I did this all under my own business. Mm-hmm. And then in um, early 2000s, um, again, just being in the right place at the right time, uh, was doing some work with Trailblazer Studios, where I now am and have been yeah. for 18 years. Um, and I was doing contract work. And uh, the CEO, Tom Waring, and I just really connected. You know, he saw me. He saw, uh, you know, potential in me that to some degree I didn't fully see. Because when he first asked me if I wanted to to, to join the team, yeah. I was like, no, I'm going to do this thing over here. I'll consult with you. But I just didn't believe I could ever work for someone. Yeah. Uh, but the more, and he talked about patience. He was patient. Um, and we just had many a lunch, many a conversation together. And uh, thankfully, in consulting with my wife, she helped me just really uh, list out what are the pros and the cons. And there are more pros in the pro column than cons in the con column. And I did have this vision of being involved in more than just music, but the opportunity to be involved in television and film. And this was one of those once in a lifetime opportunities, especially here in North Carolina, where there's not a studio like Trailblazer on every corner. Um, So, uh, again, just. Uh, I don't want to say luck um, because you yeah. know there, there's a higher power that, that, yeah, that yeah. steers you if you can just listen to that. Um, and so just really happened to, to, to follow that call and yeah. um, you know, couldn't, couldn't be happier. Could not be happier. I think that's, that's truly, you know, I, I say it's a, it's a blessing to have those opportunities because a lot of people searching for 18 years, 20 years, 50 years, 75 you know, 50, years, 50 years, 75 years, never find it. Some get that moment 
for one project, but then get off of it and try to recreate that in another situation. And you have found that uh, at Trailblazer. What is your what is your everyday, um, you know, day to day look like? Because I know you're a busy man and you have a lot of responsibility. So what does it look like for someone in your position at Trailblazer right now? Sure. Uh, so in the early days, I was still composing and mixing mm-hmm. and uh, realized I needed to get out of the chair in order to grow the department, mm-hmm. um, you know, bring on more staff. Uh, build more rooms, more equipment, and really expand our vision because, you know, day one, the goal here was uh, to be a major player, you know, in the country, in the world, not just in North Carolina. And so that was that was a big reach to bring those kinds of projects here. And uh, so part of my job, um, you know, I'm, I enjoy people. I'm a people person. And anybody that knows me will say, yeah, that's, that's Eric. Yeah. And so thankfully, I'm able to incorporate that into my job. So I'd say you know, 90%, if not more of our clients are not from North Carolina and any of the ones that I've connected with, you know, it's based on a relationship. You know, we met at a film festival, we met through, uh, you know, a mutual contact and it's nurturing those relationships. So, you know, pre-COVID, that meant going to, you know, you see these badges back there. That's a lot of film festivals and conferences. And just meeting people and staying connected, and um, you know, uh, up through up till last year, it meant jumping on a lot of planes and going to L.A. and going mm-hmm. to New York. You know, people would see me in L.A. and New York so often. They're like, well, "Wait a minute, do you live here?" It's like, "No, I'm still in North Carolina, but you yeah. know, it's just a, the airport's 15 minutes down the road, so you know, <laughs> not a problem." Um, so it was going to a lot of those and just maintaining those, you know, building that community really. Yeah. And uh, over this year of COVID, which has been interesting, is through technology like this, yeah. I've been able to not only maintain those relationships, but build new relationships. I mean, that's yeah. how we met. Uh, yeah. I feel like I've known you most of my life, but we've known each other about four weeks now. Yeah, um, yeah it's crazy. So, yeah. But it's that ability to connect and really true connection is at a deeper level than that. You waste a lot of time in person, you know, yeah. small talk or, you know, uh, superficial this, things. And, you you, you kind of get to the point now exactly. a little bit faster. One Another thing I wanted to talk about um, with you, and, and based on all the relationships that you make, because obviously at Post and Black, you know, one of the key words in there is Black. Um, and through 18 years, how has it been navigating you being a people person, making relationships? Because, you know, th- th- we've heard over the time, over the course of interviews that it is difficult for, for black people in this industry. It's difficult to see other black people. It's like, is there even a knowledge of black people? And and how is it that, you know, you're in that position, you're, you're obviously, you know, a, a barrier, you know, a torch bearer. You're also, you're also breaking down some barriers as well, because some people may not expect um, to see you in that position when they they come to Trailblazer or deal with Trailblazer, how how is that? I know that's a lot of questions there, but yeah, navigating that. No. Yeah, you know what got me to this point. A lot of what got me here is I'm super optimistic. You know, any yeah. of my my coworkers would say, you know, if they asked who's the most optimistic person in the building, they'll they'll point to me. You know, to mm-hmm. a fault sometimes, mm-hmm. and naive. You know, in my early days, so I just jumped out there and I felt like this is what I'm supposed to do, and I went out mm-hmm. and. You know, started making it happen. And, you know, 98 percent of my clients uh, were white. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't see a whole lot of me's in on the way through here, but never did I see that as a barrier or as a maybe I can't do this Uh, again. um, A lot of a lot of a lot of naivete that that helped propel me through. Um, and so that's part of what I want to do now. That's why I'm so excited about, you know, your show and podcast and some of the mm-hmm. work 
you and I are going to do over the yes. weeks, months, and years to come, along with some other folks uh, on all sides of the, the race line, um, mm-hmm. because there is a desire and an awareness now more than ever that uh, we need more more diversity uh, in yeah. in this industry, and especially on the post side of things. Yeah, um, and you, so much see- of that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say, how do you how do you see that changing? You know, with obviously in your position, and and what what is it that we need to do? Because obviously we're we're highlighting people and and giving an insight not just to the technical aspect of post, but just to the individual and the relationship. You know, building uh, by this. But how do you see it changing? How do you see us continuing to make progress in the industry like this? Yeah, well, I think you know, step one is educating people, uh, young people, and their parents that yeah. this is a career. Because mm-hmm. you know, when I told oh, I, you know, my my mom and my aunt and uncle that yeah, architecture is not working, so I'm going to drop out of school. And, and do this music producing engineering thing, that was foreign to them. And I yeah. think to some parents still to this day and to some of those students and especially students of color, or let's jump ahead, you know, folks that aren't students, you know, some of the, the folks that may not even finish high school. Mm-hmm. And if they did know that this career existed, that would give them the motivation to stay in and learn the things to um to, to be involved in a career like this. And so, like I thought music was all about either being in a band or being a music teacher, a lot of folks think film as being an actor or being a director, period, end of story. And we've got grips, we've got, you know, audio engineers, we've got colorists, we've got, you know, all the folks that you've featured on your show. Right. So step one is educating, you know, uh, folks that this exists but also uh, reaching out and building that community and saying, you know, for those of us of color that are in the industry, what can we do to reach out and connect? And what can we do to help uh, get our brothers and sisters, our white brothers and sisters to help us out? Because we're a stronger team, um, you know, with the diversity. Uh, The shows are going to be better. The soundtracks are going to sound richer. uh, Mm -hmm. The more diversity you're able to to bring into a situation, that's going to give us an advantage. Right. Um, Right. It just opens up more doors. And and I think, you know, this has been a a, a tremendous, you know, conversation with you. I just, I guess that's not, not to put a a closure on it because there's so much we might have to do a part two with you, but what what does it look like for you moving forward? Obviously we talked about the industry, how things can change, but what does it look like for you, some of your long-term goals or desires uh, personally, career, career wise in post or just trailblazer in general? Yeah, man, I, you know, say this with all sincerity, I feel like I just, I'm just getting started. You know, we've, um, you know, one thing I've learned is that this is a marathon. And, you know, I thought I would be here. And by here, I mean, doing the projects that we're doing now this year. Um, You know, I saw myself at this point 10, 15 years ago. And it's taken, you know, all this time to develop the relationships, to develop the skill. Uh, but we're working on some projects every morning I wake up. It's like, are we, is this really real? Or, um, you know, is this a cruel dream that I'm going to wake up from? Uh, but projects that are enjoyable uh, from a technical standpoint, an entertainment standpoint, but I feel that are really meaningful. For example, we're working right now, um, uh, finishing up a, a documentary on the uh, Tulsa Race Massacre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Red Summer uh, with uh, director Don Porter, who's, you know, yes. somebody I've looked up to and, you know, had many conversations with over the you know recent years. And finally, this is the year that uh, we've been able to, to pull it together. Um, and so that that's an honor, but also, uh, you know, to work with her, but also to be able to tell a story that 
will will add some depth to the conversations on race that we're having. You know, so many of us in the country, both of all colors, aren't aware in depth of that history. Mm-hmm. And so the conversations that for some began last year mm-hmm. aren't beginning from a place of knowledge. And so to be able to be uh, involved in a story like that is is uh, super fulfilling, as you say, um, yeah. Uh, but enjoyable because we get to use all the latest bells and whistles to to, <laughs> to make it happen, and um, so couldn't be happier. We've got a number of other projects that you know are dream, literally dream projects for me. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean you 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 said it right there. Awareness, you know, with bringing awareness, bringing educating folks on on what what we are can do in the industry, and not just be an actor, not just be a director, but there's so, so many other opportunities for you to have a career and still work in the industry that that you really love and want to pursue. So, and would do it if 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 I didn't have to work another day for money. Yeah. You know, if all of a sudden I woke up and you know that billion dollar check was in the mailbox. I yeah. still be. I honestly would be doing yeah. the same thing because I love this. You love it. No, it, it shows. It shows. And I, I know everyone that's tuning into this episode can agree. So, uh, Eric, I, I really appreciate. Thank you for your time. Um, it, where can people follow and stay in touch with you, uh, you know, moving forward? Yeah. And, you know, it, we're we're a village. So I'd say, yeah. you know, trailblazerstudios.com is our website mm-hmm. uh, and you can see what we're up to. Uh, but myself, um, uh, Trailblazer Eric on Twitter and Clubhouse mm-hmm. and okay. uh, definitely hit me up there. Um, you know, love to, to talk about this stuff. And, you know, let's all find each other at the next film festival or, you know, NAB show or, or Audio Engineering Society convention once those things are able to happen. But, you know, we really need to take this community, uh, connect wherever we can. So, um, you know, I'm going to be bugging you about uh, figuring out some ways for us to, to do that yeah. in the world. No, Eric, for those of you who don't know, Eric reached out to me and we connected and it was just like the follow up, you know, Eric in his position, he doesn't have to reach out to, to someone like myself. He reached out and then sent an email and literally that's how it spawned. And and just by by relating to him or connecting with him, so many other opportunities are, are happening. So we're, we're thankful for your time, Eric. And we thank you. Thank you. In here. For those of you watching and listening to Post and Black, we appreciate your time for checking out the episode. Please make sure that you follow us on all of our social media channels. Make sure you're following us and subscribing to our Made For More Entertainment channel on YouTube and stay up to date with everything that's happening with Made For More. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Post and Black. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms at Post and Black. And to see exclusive video footage of our Post and Black interviews, make sure you subscribe to our Made for More YouTube channel. This has been a Made for More entertainment production in collaboration with Suja Lee Productions and Trailblazer Studios. Until next time, remember to tip your bartenders, feed your actors, and always salute your post crew. Peace.